man, I'm excited to be here today, excited about this time of year. How many like this time of year, right? How many know what's coming up just right around the corner? Just a couple of days from today is what? It's November, right? And what is November all about? We know what November and December is all about. You got to brace yourself because it's coming whether you're ready or not is what? The the holidays, right? I mean, some of you guys looked at your wife and we were just like, oh my gosh, it's coming. I mean, we got to be ready. And whether you like it or not, it's here. You see it. It's already at Walmart. They're already putting out all the Christmas stuff and all that. They've had it out since July. That's kind of the way it works. Right. And I mean, it's coming upon us pretty quick. And I love the holiday season. One of the things I love about it, it is the season of what? If you know it, say it out loud. It's the season of giving. Right. And man, that's what it's really all about. We know Thanksgiving. In fact, it's so much about giving that giving is actually in the name. Thanksgiving. Right. And we know what Christmas is all about. That Christ came. God gave his son for us. And yet I think it's sad that sometimes as we kind of move into this time of a year, we've actually taken this season that really is kind of the season of giving, and we've kind of made it more of a season of receiving. Have you noticed that lately? I mean, even like Thanksgiving time, I love Thanksgiving time. In fact, don't do Christmas until after Thanksgiving. Can I get a good amen for that, right? I, but I love Thanksgiving time because, it, man, it is about giving thanks, and even in a time where we're giving thanks, like, we can also kind of be about receiving, like, I'm going to receive this turkey and this pumpkin pie into my belly, Right? And then I'm going to receive some entertainment in the form of a Cowboys win. Come on, amen, all the Cowboys fans out there. And then I'm going to receive a nap because of all the tryptophan in the turkey that I ate before. And then I'm going to wake up and I'm going to receive some more pumpkin pie into my belly. Come on, can I get a good amen out there, right? And so sometimes even Thanksgiving can be about actually about receiving. And then we get into Christmas and we know what Christmas has become with all the consumerism and stuff in the world that in the season that should be about giving because God gave his son for us. And yet, man, we make it all about what do I want and what am I going to get and the new gadget and the new phone that I want and all the lists that I've made that I got to give to everybody so that they can give to me. And even like the day after the day that we said we don't have we don't need anything else. We're thankful for what we have. And a few hours later, we're down at Walmart cussing someone out because they're grabbing the thing we wanted on Black Friday. Come on, you know what I'm saying? And we've taken this thing, this season, that really should be all about giving, and we've really made it all about us. We made it about receiving and getting what we need and what we want. In fact, just be honest today, okay? You be honest. You don't have to raise your hand, but in your heart of hearts, you know, and you're in church, you have to be honest, right? In church, that even as you came in today and you got, you know, you got your worship guide and you saw on the front of the worship guide that the name of the series was I Like Giving, you're going, oh, but I don't like giving, right? You're going, man, it's going to be one of those series and I hate those type of series. Maybe I'll just skip for the next month so that I don't have to listen to this series because deep in our hearts like it's like we know we should love to give but sometimes it's hard to like giving right sometimes it's kind of hard to be a giver when this whole world is telling us that it's really all about receiving but I'm going to propose today and in this series over this next month I truly believe in my heart that we can actually learn to like giving how many believe that today come on raise your hand we're going to learn in this series that man, giving is not just something that we should do and we should do it, but it actually can be something that we like. In fact, we can do more than just like giving. We can actually learn to love 
love giving. We can actually give, get a passion in our heart for giving. And I believe that that's actually what God has intended for us to be as followers of Christ, that we wouldn't be like just giving is something that we do. In fact, we say this around here, that giving is not just something that we do, but generous is who we are, that we can actually get a passion for generosity. We can get a love in our heart for giving, and we can actually like giving even more than we like receiving. In fact, I think this is what Paul was talking about in this in this text of scripture that's really going to be kind of our driving scripture for the whole series. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 6. And let's look at it together. It's going to be on the screen there for you. It says, each one of you must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for the Lord loves a what? Everybody say it out loud. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. And here's Paul. He's saying, hey, here's what God wants from us. He wants us to give in a way that we don't just give because we're supposed to or because the pastor preached a series on it or because I'm a Christian and that's what I have to do. But God wants us to be people who would learn how to give in a cheerful way, that we would experience the joy of giving. And that's what we're going to do in this series. In fact, we're going to give you opportunity to actually practice this and live this out in this series. Because at the end of this series, on the Sunday before Thanksgiving, on November the 20th, we're actually going to take a special offering to help in what we call One Day of Hope. There are people in the world that don't have hope. And one of the reasons they don't have hope is because they don't have food on the table. They don't know where their next meal is going to come from. And so on the Sunday, before, like four days before we eat more food than we should ever eat in a lifetime, let alone in a day, we're actually going to remember that there are people that don't even have food on their table and we're going to give to one day that, to, to feed the world, one day of hope. In fact, we're going to let you know a little bit more about it as the series goes on, but we're challenging you to just figure out what would one day's wages be? Like if you just took your whole year salary and you divide it by 365 one day's wages and bring it on that day to bring hope into people and you're going to do it, but you're not just going to do it. You're going to like it, right? Because we're going to learn how to like giving. How many want to know how to like giving? Come on. We're going to learn how to do this today. So we're going to jump into it. If you have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and turn with me to today's passage. It's found in Matthew chapter 6. And while you're turning there, let me just kind of set it up for you just a little bit here today. Jesus is talking about money, okay? I know a lot of times we don't like it when the church talks about money or when the pastor talks about money. We just go, hey, I'll just skip that series because I don't like that one. Or maybe I'll skip that church because they talk too much about it at that church or whatever. But let me just tell you something. If you don't like when you hear the preacher talk about money, well, let me tell you, you're not going to really like what Jesus had to say either because Jesus talked a whole lot about money. In fact, he talked more about money than he talked about heaven and hell combined. It's a, it's a big deal. So everybody look at your neighbor and say, it's a big deal. And Jesus is telling them, hey, money, guys, treasure. He calls it treasure in this passage. Stuff your money. It's a big deal. It's a big deal in your life because it's an eternal thing. It has eternal significance. In fact, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's more to life than just the here and now. Like you were made for eternity. 
God puts you on this planet and you're here for, you know, 70, 80 years. But that 70, 80 years is just a, a little dot. And eternity is a line that goes on from, on both sides to infinity. And so there's so much more to this life than what we experience in the here and now. And we've got to get this perspective, this viewpoint in our lives, especially when it comes to money. So let's look at it here together in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 19. Let's see what Jesus says. He says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures where, everybody say it aloud, treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus is teaching us, hey guys, there's more to this life than here and now. You've got to think about eternity and you've got to see money, treasure, finances, stuff. You're, you're stuck. You've got to see it in light of eternity. So here's what we're going to do today is we're going to take this passage and we're going to break it down into three things that Jesus is teaching us about money. Three things that he's teaching us about treasure. If you're taking notes, why don't you go ahead and write them down today. The first one is this, is that I have to store it. Everybody say store it. I have to store it in the right place. See, here's the deal. Jesus says, hey guys, there's more than just here and now. You can actually take your treasure and you can actually store it up in eternity, in heaven, if you see it the right way, if you see it with an eternal perspective. And here's what we've got to understand. Jesus is not saying that you shouldn't have treasure. In fact, there are people out there that will preach that, like, you should just be poor. If you're a Christian, you should give everything away and you just you be a monk and just be poor, right? That's not what Jesus is saying. Actually, God wants you to be blessed. He wants to bless you even in the area of finances, but he doesn't want to bless you just so that you can store it up all for yourself. He wants to bless you so that you can then be a blessing to others. And when we give, this is what we are doing. We are actually storing our treasure up, not here on this earth, but in heaven. We got to store it in the right place. But the problem is for most of us is we want to store it here on this earth. We want to build up as much stuff as we can possibly build up. Man, I want that car, and I want that house, and I want that jewelry, and I want those clothes, and I want that vacation, and I want that motorcycle, and I want that boat, and I want all of this stuff that I want to accumulate here in this life on this earth. In fact, for most people, life is all about the ing. How many of you I'm talking about? It's like housing, spending, earning, owning, shopping, bling, bling. Ka-ching, ka-ching. It's all about things, right? Let me just tell you two things about things. Did y'all see what I did there? That's pretty good. Two things about things. If you're taking notes, write them down. Letter A is this. Things are just things. I know that's deep, right? Y'all are like, oh, I'm blown away. That was so deep. And it is deep, actually. You know the word thing? If you look it up in the dictionary, you know what it'll tell you? The definition of a thing is an object without life. Man, that's deep because here's the thing. So many of us spend our lives trying to accumulate objects that don't have life. Most of us spend our life thinking, if I could get that object that I want, it will actually bring me life. And I have news for you here today that if an object doesn't have life, it can't give you life. 
and yet we make it such a huge part of our lives. But Jesus said it like this. He says, watch out. Everybody say, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of grief or uh, of greed because you know that your life is not consistent in the abundance of your possessions. Life is not about what you can get and what you can build up for yourself because things are just things. They are objects without life. Let her be write this one down. Man, this is huge. Things are just temporary. Everybody say temporary. temporary. How many have experienced this before? Like you wanted something so bad and then you got it, and then it broke. Come on, you ever been there before? Or you lost it, or it got stolen, or it wore out, or it went out of style. This is what Jesus is saying. Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth. Why? Because thieves can break in and steal, and moth and rust can destroy. This stuff is temporary. It's only here for a moment. And it's gone. Now I know, you know, my grandpa, he, he'd say, well, they just don't make stuff like they used to, you know. And that might be true, but even like the good stuff, even well-made stuff, eventually it wears out or it breaks or it goes out of style or whatever because it's, it's temporary. In fact, I was thinking about this as I was studying this message. A couple of years ago, I bought a new car. It wasn't a new car. It was new, new to me. Anybody ever had that kind of car before, right? And, and yet it was, it was a pre-owned car, but it was new to me. And so you know how you are when you get a new car. I mean, you take care of that car. And so I got it, I got it parked in the garage. We only have space for one car in the garage because we got all this, these things, all these objects without life. And they're all this stuff that we one time we wanted, and now it made it into the garage, you know? And so I got the car in the garage and, you know, we're taking care of that. And so one morning, it's time to take the kids to school. And my wife, Amber, decides she's going to take them. And so she decides she wants to take my car. And so she gets in the garage. She fires up the car. She puts it into reverse. As she's putting it into reverse, she just doesn't pay too much attention to what's behind her. Well, what was behind her? Her old van was behind my new car, right? Okay. And she backed it out, didn't see it, and all of a sudden, you know what I'm saying, ran my new car, new to me car, into her old van. And the van won, that's right. And, and she was so upset. In fact, she sat down in the garage and cried, you know. And then she comes in, and how many know what my response was? How many think my response was, baby, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> Things are just things, and it's a, we'll get it fixed. How many think that was our, my response? Y'all don't have any, I mean, y'all don't have any trust in your pastor. Actually, that was my response. I was like, it's okay, we'll get it fixed. Don't worry about it. It's no big deal, right? Okay, so we got the car fixed. I'm not lying. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Two weeks later, I went out to get into the car. It was still parked in the garage. I put it in reverse and back out. Don't look behind me. And again, in the same spot, I hit my car into her old van. This time, I wasn't like, things are just things. It'll be okay. I was like, why is your van there? You know? You know what I learned in all of that? Stuff that you think is so important is just stuff. And we still haven't gotten it fixed to this day. Two years later, you can go out there and see the, the dent in my bumper because of that. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Stuff's just stuff. 
And we think it's so important. I got to build all this stuff up for me on this earth. And Jesus says, you're missing the whole deal. And the reason we don't like to give is because we want all this stuff on this earth for me. But here's the cool thing is that Jesus goes, hey, you can actually learn to like giving because when you give, what you're doing is you're actually just sending it on ahead, right? And here's the deal. No matter how much stuff you got, you can't take it with you. You can't. In fact, I used to say this. I've said this so many times. I used to say, you've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul, right? (laughs) And then one day I said that, and somebody sent me this picture on Facebook. (laughs) I'm like, man, come on. But you know what? The truth is, whatever you got in that U-Haul, it ain't going with you. You can't take it with you, but you know what you can do? You can send it on ahead. When you give, when you invest into the kingdom of God, when you use your finances to make a difference in people's lives, guess what, man? You're actually storing up treasures in heaven. You're seeing it through the eternal. So everybody say, store it up. Number two, write this down. This is what Jesus is telling us about treasure. We got to store it in the right place. Number two, here's what we got to do. We got to see it in the right light. Look what he goes on to say in in our passage In verse number, put it up there, guys. In verse number 22, he says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, when you read that in context, that's the very next verse. And Jesus is saying, talking about treasures and heaven and all that kind of stuff. And then suddenly he starts talking about eyes. And you're like, Jesus, what are you talking about? doesn't seem like those make sense. Like you're going off on a tangent. And yet when you read it together in context in this passage, you see that it actually does make sense because this is what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, hey, yeah, you got to store your treasure in heaven, but in order to do that, here's what you have to do. You got to see it in the right lights. You got to see it with the right eyes. You see, it's all about, it's all about your eyes. It's all about how you see things. And for most of us who have struggles with giving, for most of us who are like, man, this is really the series. I don't really want to listen to this talk about giving because I don't like to giving. To give most of us the reason that we're that way is because we have a wrong perspective on money. We see treasure and money and stuff. We see it in the wrong light through the wrong eyes. In fact, let me just help you a little bit today with a few wrong perspectives that we might have on money. If you're taking notes, write write these down. The first one is this letter A. This is how a lot of people see money, is we see money as money will satisfy me. Come on, anybody ever been there before? Like if I could get that new car, if I get that new whatever it is that I want, if I could get it, man, it'll make me satisfied, it'll make me happy. And so you get it thinking I'll be happy, and then then let's be honest, okay, we'll be honest. It makes you happy for a little bit, right? We can acknowledge that. Like when we get something new, hey, it's cool for a little while, you get that new car, you're happy until you get that payment in the mail, you know, right? And it's, it's a temporary thing. And yet so many of us, this is the way we live our life. We think, man, if I could get stuff... If I could accumulate all this stuff in my life, then I would be happy. But we get stuff and we're happy for a little bit, but it doesn't make us happy for very long. It's not long until we want something else. It doesn't satisfy us. In fact, it reminds me of a guy in the Bible. This guy's name was Solomon. The Bible says that he was actually the wisest man who ever lived. And because he was so wise, he actually accumulated a lot of wealth. In fact, the Bible says that his kingdom was like above any kingdom before it. Or, or any kingdom that would ever come after it. He was like the richest man who ever 
lived. If you would think somebody would be satisfied with stuff, you would think of a guy named Solomon. But I want you to see what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 10. Look what he says. Whoever loves money never has enough. And whoever loves wealth is what? Never satisfied with his income. Even Solomon, the person who was the wealthiest man who ever lived, realized that, man, no matter how much stuff I'm going to get, it's not really going to satisfy my heart. Some of us, that's the way we see money. It'll make me satisfied. Let it be. Write this one down. Some of us see money like this. It'll make me significant. Everybody say significant. It'll make me important. If I can make more money... If I can climb that ladder, like if I could, man, if I could just get into that house in that, it's not just the house, but it's in that neighborhood, right? If I could get into, if we could live in that neighborhood, then others would look at us and go, aren't they important? Man, they, man they're really cool. They must be really successful because of where they live. Or man, if I, could, if I could drive that car and not just a nice car, but it has to have like that symbol on it so that everyone can see how important and how significant I am. Or if I could, if I could wear that type of clothes that have that kind of look or that kind of whatever so that everyone can see and everyone will like me or I'll go on that vacation and I'll post all my pictures on Instagram so that everyone will see me and like me and I'll look important and then that doesn't work because everyone sees it and then they're jealous because they're not on the trip that you're on. You know what I'm saying, right? And we think that it will, we, we attach our identity to our income. And we attach our, our wealth, our, we attach our, our worth to our net worth. And I'm just telling you something that, that today you've got to understand that no matter how much money you get, you may be able to a- appear important, but deep down in your heart, you know, it doesn't do it. Let her see, write this one down. Here's where a lot of us are. We've, we view money through this lens that money will make me secure. Some of you are like that today. You're, you're like me. You're kind of getting on a little older. You kind of cross that 40 mark, and you're going, man, i got to make sure that I'm, I'm setting up my future. I'm setting up my family for the future. So i got to, man, i got to build up my IRA, and i got to build up my, my, you know, my retirement fund and my 501c3, whatever it is, 501k, was that what it is? Whatever it is. I don't know, you know. And here's the deal. That's important. The Bible actually teaches us that we should plan for the future and that we should think about those things. But here's what we have to understand is that it doesn't matter how much money you got in your retirement account. It's still not going to be enough and it's still not completely secure. There is no guarantee that it will be there when you need it. I mean, if you think it's guaranteed, just ask some people that back in 08, whenever they were all invested into, into the real estate market and lost it all. See, here's the deal. is one moment, one, one stock market crash, one visit to the doctor, and all that stuff that you think is going to make you so secure. In fact, we even call it our securities, Right? We're investing in securities and we think it's going to we think it's gonna make us secure, but guess what, guys? It could be gone in an instant. In fact, this is what this is what David was talking about in the Psalms. Look what he says in this uh, in this passage in Psalm twenty and verse seven. Look what he says. Some trust in their chariots and some in their horses, but we trust in who? In the name of the Lord our God. For they are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. David was saying, hey, you can put your trust in your money. You can put your trust in your job. You can put your trust in your, well, hello. You can put your, tr- 
Where did that come from? You can, you can put your trust in all of these things, but if you do, guess what's going to happen? You're going to eventually falter. But if you will put your security not in your stuff, but in your God, then you will rise up and stand firm. We got a wrong view of, of money. So you say, Pastor, what's the right way to see money? Well, let me just help you with three real, real quick things today. The first one is this. We got to understand that money is just a trust. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, it's just a trust. It's just a trust. Money's just a trust. Guess what, guys? The money that you have, the things that you have, the house, the car, all the stuff that you have, the clothes on your back, guess what? They don't belong to you. They have only been entrusted to you. Because you know what the scripture says? The scripture tells us this, the earth is the Lord's and what? And everything in it. What does everything mean? Everything, right? Whatever you have, you have, it, it belongs to God. It doesn't belong to you. You only have it because God has trusted you with it. He has entrusted it to your care. You know, it reminds me of this parable of the talents. You might remember that story where there was a master. He had three servants. He brought them to himself and he entrusted some money to them. And what was their job? Their, their job was to take and to manage it well. Now, who did the money belong to? Did it belong to the servants? No, it belonged to the master. Do we have any, anybody that's ever been a manager, like a store manager or something like that? Anybody? Anybody? When you manage a store, who does the store belong to? Does it belong to you? Who does it belong to? It belongs to the owner of the store. And the same thing applies to us, that what we have, all of our money, our finances, everything that we have, it's not ours. It belongs to God. It was just entrusted to us, and we got to see it in that way. Letter B, write this down. Here's how we got to see it. It's not only is it a trust, but it's a tool. Everybody say a tool. Guess what, guys? What you have is actually entrusted to you by God, and it is just a tool to be used in your life to make a difference in someone else's life, to make a difference in the kingdom of God. That house that you live in, it's not your house. It's God's house, and he put you in that house to use as a tool to make a difference for his kingdom. It might be that, hey, I'm inviting neighbors over for barbecue so that I can get to know them and eventually invite them to church or share Christ with them. It might be, hey, I'm using my house to host a life group so that we can have people come over and they can grow in their relationship with God. It might be that, hey, I'm using my house to raise up godly children so that one day they'll be adults and they'll know to love and serve the Lord. And that's the reason I have that house. It's a tool. Maybe it's my car, man. The car's not mine. It's God's. God just put it in my hands as a tool to make a difference for him. Maybe I use it to to pick people up and bring them to church, or I use it to listen to podcasts while I'm driving around and grow in my relationship with the Lord, or listen to worship music and spend time with God. And whatever I do, I'm going to drive it in a way that honors God. Amen. Especially if you have a LifeGate sticker on the back, I'm just saying. Like, it's just a tool. The money that I have is just a tool. My, my job, my paycheck is just a tool that I'm going to use. I'm going to tithe and I'm going to give and I'm going I'm to do everything I can to use the money that God has put in my heart and in my life to make a difference for him. It's just a tool. Amen. Number three, letter C, write this down. It's a test. It's a test. You know, the thing about the story of the, of the, the parable of the talents, what was the whole point of that story? The whole point of the story was this, is that the master was actually looking for someone that he could promote to another level, 
But before he could promote them, he had to test them just to see would they be faithful with a little bit so that he could make sure and promote them to a lot. And it wasn't until they were faithful with a little bit that then he could say, okay, you've been faithful with a little. You remember the story, right? What does he say to the ones that did something with what he gave them? He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little. Now I'm going to make you ruler over much, right? And here's the deal, guys. God wants to bless you. He wants to promote you. But before he can promote you and bless you, even in the area of finances, here's what he wants to know. Are you trustworthy? Are you faithful? And then when you prove faithful, you pass the test, and then you can move into God's blessing. And some of you are going, well, man, I don't know why God's not blessing my finances. Well, are you honoring him with your finances? Are you being generous? Are you tithing? Are you giving? All of that stuff is a test, and when you prove faithful, then you can experience God's blessings upon your life. Come on, I'm preaching. I'm helping you today. And so you got to see it. See it in the right light. Everybody say, see it in the right light. I'm going to store it in the right place. I'm going to see it in the right light. Letter number three, write this down. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to seek it in the right order. It's all about order. It's all about priority. In fact, this is why money is so important. And this is why it's hard when we have a message in a series like this. Sometimes we don't like it. Because money actually reveals priority. What we do with our money, what we do with our stuff, with our treasure, with our finances, actually reveals what is most important, what is first in our lives. And so Jesus is saying, here's what I want you to do. In this very same passage, he's saying, I want you to put me first. In fact, let's put it up there, guys, and let's look at it together. In verse number 31, look what he says. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now, here, leave that up there for a second, guys. Here's the deal. The reason many of us don't want to give and we don't want to tithe is because we're worried about all that stuff. What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? How am I going to pay the hospital bill? How am I going to pay the house payment? How am I going to pay the car payment? All that kind of stuff. And here's what the scripture says. God already knows you need that stuff. And he doesn't want to leave you high and dry. He wants to take care of that stuff for you, but here's how you make sure that he's taking care of that stuff for you. He says, but seek what? Everybody say it out loud. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's an order thing. It's a priority thing. God is saying, hey, I want you to have stuff. I want you to be blessed. I want to take care of all your needs. I don't want you to be worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, where you're going to live, all that stuff. I don't want you worrying about that stuff. I want to take, for, take care of that for you. But here's how you guarantee that I, take, that I take care of it for you is you seek first the kingdom of God. And then when you put me first, when you seek things in the right order, then here's what will happen. Then all these things will be added to you as well. All the stuff that you thought was so important that you're putting first, God's going, no, if you'll set that aside and make that second and third and lower priority and you'll make me priority, then I'll take care of all that stuff for you as well. And here's how we can learn how to like giving is we can realize that it's actually not God wants something from us, but God actually wants something for us. I know you're going, well, I I get it. Okay. Like on a mind level, that kind of makes sense. But I don't know, like on a heart level, okay, you're telling me I should give. And okay, maybe I'm convinced that I'm supposed to give, but I still don't like it, you know? Come on, right? How do I learn to like 
do it not just because I have to or should, but because I really want to. How do I learn to like it? Well, the key is right here in this passage, what Jesus says. Look what he says. Jesus says, for where your what? Your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Some of you are saying, I want God to have my heart. I want to give because I like giving. I want to learn to love and be passionate. I want to be a generous person, but I'm not quite there yet. How do I do it? Well, the key is right there in that verse. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So if you want your heart to be somewhere, here's what you do. You put your treasure there, and then your heart will follow. Come on, that's good. I mean, just for instance, think about it, all right? Maybe you've invested in, in a stock. Maybe it's maybe you invested in Apple or something like that, right? If you put money in Apple stock, guess what? Apple's got your heart, right? Because, man, you're buying iPads and phones and every, it's Apple, Apple everything. You got an Apple sticker on the back of your car. Come on, right? You've seen those people like that before, right? And, man, every morning you're getting up, you're looking online to see how the, how the Apple stock do, and it's all about Apple because it got your attention. And why did it get your attention? Because you put your money there. Let's put it in this, in this reference today. Maybe you got that new car. A new car is a big invest, investment, man. You're talking sometimes thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars for some of these for some of these cars. That's a big investment. How many know that's enough to get your attention? And so you put your money there, and then what happens? Man, your attention is there, and your heart is there. All of a sudden, that car becomes your baby, right? All of a sudden, you're cleaning out the junk in the garage that's been there for five years, and you never cleaned it out before, but now I got a new car, so I got to make space for my baby, right? Now, all of a sudden, you got new rules of the house. Nobody's eating and drinking in the car, because that car cost me $50,000, right? That's my baby, and I, man, that thing is important to me, man. You're washing it. You're waxing it. You're taking it for, for little spins and why? Because you put your treasure or put your treasure there. And then what happens where your treasure is, that's where your heart is too. So some of you are going, well, I don't know like how to make sure that, that God gets my heart. And I start to really learn to like giving. And here's what you do. You invest in God's kingdom and you do it even when sometimes you don't like doing it. And after a while, if you do it consistently, eventually it starts to get your heart. Eventually it starts to get addicting. Eventually you start to get passionate about giving. You start to give to people that don't have any food to eat. And then you start to hear stories about what God is doing in them. And you're like, man, I got to do that more. I can't wait till next November when we do it again. You start give, you start giving, you know, consistently tithing and giving to the church. And before long, it's like, man, I love that church. That's my church because I'm invested there. I've put my treasure there. And, and here's what happens is where your treasure is, that's where your heart always winds up. So if you want God to have your heart, then you put your treasure with God and eventually your heart will follow. You start to, man, you start to see money in a whole different way. It's not about making me happy. It's not about doing what, you know, will make me satisfied or significant or secure. No, it's about, man, it's a trust that God has put in my life to use as a tool to make a difference. And God is testing me. And whenever I pass the test, he can put his blessing upon my life. And so I'm going to store it in the right place. I'm going to see it in the right light. I'm going to seek it in the right order. I'm going to put God first in this area of my life. And when that happens, one day... You wake up and you realize that what Jesus said in Acts was actually true, that you have learned that it is actually more blessed to give than it is to receive.